Hello and welcome, and thank you for tuning in to episode two of the FRSA Young Professional Podcast. I'm your host, Bo Copeland, chairman of the Young Professional Committee. Uh, Today, I've got Philip Lane, risk manager and insurance agent with Insurance Offices of America, and he's here to talk about how to best manage your insurance risk within the roofing industry. And I got to tell you, there's a lot of info that I had no idea about, and uh, there's a lot of info here that it relates to all sides of this business. I mean, far beyond what I would have imagined um, coming into this call. And, you know, on top of that, you throw in a great person like Philip, who for all of us who have no Philip outside of the organization and in the organization, you talk about an individual who's very driven, hardworking and, and dedicated to this organization and making all of us better each and every day. It's this guy. So I had a lot of fun recording this with him today, and I hope you guys enjoy it and uh, hope you take something away from it. So with that, let's jump right off into it. Here with uh, Philip Lane, insurance agent and risk manager for Insurance Offices of America. Appreciate you taking the time and jumping on the call here this morning. Good morning, Bo. Appreciate you having me. So this is kind of a, uh, the first of three podcasts in some of our previous conversations. You and I, Philip, were talking about how, you know, basically a lawyer, an insurance agent, and a CPA are so fundamental and to have that, that counsel uh, really assembled and, and having those resources there available to you as a business owner, especially in the roofing industry and construction business, where those guys really come into play with your business and helping a business be successful. So obviously today we want to focus in on on primarily on the insurance side of that that kind of that three-headed monster there and make sure that hey we're we're covering everything, we're thinking about everything, we're talking about what we need to be talking about with our insurance agents and um obviously seeking advice from them. So kind of the first piece here that I wanted to touch on um that we talked about was you know how how can we be proactive in managing our our insurance and managing our claims and safety on the job site? So, what are some of the pieces that you bring as a risk manager to your clients? Well, you know, first and foremost, as an insurance professional, you know, we seek to work with our clients to understand their business so that we can help protect them even better than they are currently protected. Um, you know, it, it's it's important in order to to ensure a company to understand what their operations are and 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 how those may differ from other industries. Um, you know, as a as a advisor to roofing contractors, um, what we try to do is is be proactive from a safety and claims perspective, um, and to put the pieces in place so that we have policies and procedures for our clients, in order to first of all avoid claims wherever possible. Um, you know, roofing is a is a very hazardous industry, so it's not typically possible to avoid claims altogether. That's why it's also important to be proactive in uh, policies and procedures to manage the claims once they occur. Um, you know, and to get back to your point about, you know, a, a having a solid relationship with your CPA and your attorney and your insurance agent, you know, um, it, it's it's real important for the insurance agent to have a seat at that table to be able to advise properly on different policies and procedures that can help protect the business. Um, we strive at Iowa to have a seat at that table and to 
you know, differentiate ourselves from other agencies and other agents in the industry that, you know, sell you policies but don't offer a whole lot of guidance as far as how to protect your company. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And and I've had numerous conversations with you over the years that I've gotten to know you and and the passion that you bring to the table is just like it's it's infectious, man. It's it's so much fun to to chat with you on all these different pieces of the business and what you're seeing and what you're feeling. Um, I know in talking with you yesterday and some of the kind of the pre-call prep for this deal, um, you've mentioned a few different challenges that you're seeing and feeling right now. And having that relationship with the insurance agent makes a lot of sense to have these conversations and get ahead of it. But you know, like one of the mentions, one of the pieces you mentioned was the um, the rise of commercial auto rates. So tell me what what are you seeing and kind of feeling on that right now, um, and what suggestions do you have for clients of yours as well as other clients out there on what they should be looking for and keeping in mind when it comes to that that increase? That, that's a a great point. You know, it, it it proactiveness is is so important when it comes to to managing claims. Um, you know. I've seen clients over the last 18 months that have seen, you know, three and four times increases on their auto liability premiums because of the frequency of the claims that they're experiencing. Um, you know, the commercial auto market in Florida, but really actually nationwide is really struggling at the moment. Um, the carriers are, are producing combined loss ratios that are over a hundred percent, which puts them at, at a, at a loss at the end of the day, which, you know, their, their shareholders are not okay with, and the result of that is is increased premiums. Um, all the companies still want to write the cream of the crop, the companies that haven't experienced claims. And, you know, if you find yourself in that scenario, then you have options. Your your premiums aren't going to skyrocket. But two or three bodily injury claims, whether they be at-fault accidents or not, um, can really drive up your auto premiums. And it's important as a company to, to step back and, and work with your insurance agent to look at where your greatest exposures are. And we work with our clients to develop commercial autos, fleet safety programs, and to institute policies and procedures and trainings for employees to, to help be proactive and to, to mitigate those claims. Um, you know, I, I like to, to talk to company owners and, and put them in the position of what they would be able to prove that they'd done to avoid a claim if they were actually sitting in a deposition chair or on the witness stand at a trial. And the the name of the game is to be able to show what you did in order to avoid those types of claims. And a commercial auto fleet safety program is, is the first step to make sure that you have that in place and that, that your employees are being trained properly on how to avoid accidents. Um, that would be my, my best advice to, to battle that. Good deal. So, for me, being a manufacturer and, and being on the manufacturing side for my, my career in the roofing industry, obviously on the insurance side, I think of health and safety. I think of you know, your, your traditional health, health insurance as well as we have a, a whole fleet, so I, I'm well aware of the fleet insurance and, and kind of dealing with this commercial auto rates and, and some of these pieces. Um, you know, one of the pieces that doesn't always come to mind, at least for me, being in the, in the role that I'm in is around the liability side and, and how does that, you know, how do you best risk manage that? And again, what are some of the kind of the 
pieces that you encounter on a daily basis from your clients and what you're seeing and kind of feeling out there in the industry? Yeah, you know, well, the, the, the first line of defense when it comes to the, the many different types of, of liability out there is the, the commercial general liability policy. Um, you know, the, the policy is called general liability because that's essentially what it is designed to cover. It's for acts that you become legally liable for, for property damage and bodily injury as a result of your operations, whether they're being completed or ongoing. And, um, you know, that the CGL policy is designed to cover what you become legally liable for unless it's excluded. And uh, in the, the current marketplace for general liability for roofing contractors is fraught with different exclusions and endorsements that can severely restrict coverage on the CGL policy. So my number one advice in, in working with and, and talking with roofing contractors throughout Florida is to really drill down and have a conversation with their insurance agent about what the restrictions on the general liability policy are. You know, there are common exclusions and restrictions on the GL policy that make sense. Um, you know, injury to employees is excluded on a general liability policy because it's picked up on workers' compensation per Florida statutes. Um, auto liability is also excluded on the CGL policy unless it's added by endorsement um, for s certain situations, but it's, it's generally excluded and that coverage is picked up on your commercial auto policy. But because roofing is such a, a, a hazardous industry, what a lot of carriers have done is come in and carved out coverage for different operations that they're not comfortable insuring. And that very may that very well may work for one roofing contractor. You know, if a roofing contractor is is a 100% residential and all they do is re-roofs, they may be comfortable with an exclusion on their policy that doesn't cover new construction work on condominiums. Um, another example might be a, a roofing contractor that only does one-story work. They're not prepared, nor have they ever done, or will they do anything over three stories? they may be comfortable with an exclusion on that policy that limits coverage to work three stories and under. Now, I don't like those exclusions, and I always try to negotiate them out whether my client is doing it or not, because the reality is if you get a job that's profitable, you may not think to contact your insurance agent to say, hey, is this covered or would this be covered? Yeah. Um, so yeah. It's, it's really important to understand what restrictions are in your policy because they vary from policy to policy even within the same carrier. Um, so it, it's, it's just really important to, to, to know what is in your CGL policy and to have a good line of communication with your agent if there are certain restrictions in there that you may be able to, to get written back into the policy or you know, potentially move to another carrier to make sure that you're covered. Yeah, so that's, that's interesting. Um, I, I had no idea when it came to the GL policy that you could have these different types of exclusions and even though I am on the manufacturing side, I've, I was on the, the general construction side for many years with my, my father, and I, I didn't have the exposure to all this different ins and outs. So it's some very, very interesting stuff. So as a roofing contractor, say, you know, I'm a residential guy. I do primarily re-roofs, so as you mentioned, less than three stories. So I do the, the, the multi-story exclusion on my GL policy. Um, now, I'm assuming the reason they would do that is for savings. Um, is there any other benefit besides maybe a, a possible 
you know, premium savings there? Or what's the main driving force behind that? Well, it roofing contracting is not a, a generally a very attractive class of business for insurance carriers, um, especially in Florida because of the litigious climate that we have, um, especially surrounding construction defect claims and allegations. Um, so, you know, what being able to to live with certain restrictions opens up the marketplace to other carriers that you wouldn't typically be able to access because they're willing to to carve out coverage for something that they don't want to cover. So in addition to savings, it, it just generally offers um, a number of different, op- an increased number of options and where to place coverage, which can, which can also help with pricing because of the competition factor that's involved. Absolutely, absolutely. And so if, if I'm a, a contractor and, and it just so happens to your, your comment earlier, you mentioned that, hey, I, I don't have a multi-story um, endorsement on my, on my policy, on my GL policy. I've got a project here that, to your, your point, it's a very profitable opportunity. This guy likes me. He likes our business. He wants us to come and do the job. However, I was fortunate enough I had a good partner in my insurance agent that I was able to reach out to him, engage him, and, and or him engaging myself and educating myself on, hey, you don't have the coverage to do a project like this or the endorsement to do a project like this. Uh, how would a contractor then go to the next step to make sure before they started that project they had coverage? And another question I'd like to ask on that is, is there, is there coverage that you can purchase for just one job? Or do you have to have it for the, the life of the of whatever the contract is on that, that policy, whether it's a year or six months? I don't know how that works. But, you know, kind of help walk me through that as, as a contractor. Yeah, it, it's this is a, a regular occurrence with myself and my, and my clients. Um, you know, if there's a, a project that comes up that's outside the scope of coverage, um, oftentimes we're able to negotiate with that carrier based on the specifics of the project to endorse that project onto the policy. Um, you, you know, it, it and, and similar to commercial auto, you know, the the claims history is so key in placing and pricing general liability coverage. So, you know, in addition to to um, having more options and potentially saving money with some of these endorsements, um, you know. Oftentimes, carriers aren't willing to quote, period, uh, especially for a company that's experienced claims without some of these coverage restrictions. So, you know, keeping a claim, a a good, clean GL loss history opens up options that you wouldn't have otherwise if you didn't have those types of claims. Good. So kind of shifting gears on the same same conversation here about GL loss and it just kind of, some of the thoughts that come to mind. My mind went to a credit score. You know, if you think about a credit score, if you have a couple of bad months or bad years or whatever the case is where your credit went down, whatever, for whatever reason, you know, you have less people that are willing to loan you money or lend you money for different needs, different wants, et cetera, um, because of your credit score. So you take some steps and time to work and build that credit score back up. How, how would you, you know, build up the, your, your claims loss, if you will, or, or however the GL policy looks at that, your claims history, 
Obviously, time is the best, our best friend, the most amount of time of no claims. But what else, is there anything else that a contractor can do to help kind of build that score overall? Uh, that, that, that's a great question and a perfect segue um, because your, your loss history is very similar to a credit score. Um, they function in the same way, and insurance carriers actually calculate loss ratios that are similar to a credit score. And at, at Insurance Office of America, um, we've actually developed a proprietary online survey that consists of close to 70 questions that develops an actual risk score based on the policies and procedures that a business has in place. Uh, we focus in four key areas. Uh, number one is uh, pre-claim. Um, number two is post-claim. Um, number three is pre-hire. And number four is post-hire. And what we try to do is, is break up the processes and policies and procedures um, from the beginning of and prior to a claim all the way through seeing through a claim and making sure that it's closed with the insurance carrier. Um, the, the risk score that's assigned and the survey that's completed actually provides a roadmap for the institution of specific policies and procedures that will help avoid the claims that companies have experienced moving forward. And what it does is it provides a, a roadmap for both the insured and the insurance agent to tweak the policies and procedures within the business to help avoid situations that either may have occurred in the past or that may occur based on the specifics of that industry. Um, and, and another nice thing is it, that it does is it, it not only provides a roadmap for how to get from point A to point B to, to be a safer company with a better risk score, but it also allows us to go to our underwriters with various insurance companies to say, hey, this is what we've done, and this is how we've been proactive, and these are the policies and procedures that we put in place to avoid these claims in the future. And, you know, one of the things I really try to encourage my clients to do is, is to not just focus on the insurance premiums, um, you know, because the insurance premiums are really just the tip of the iceberg when you look at the total cost to your business of claims. Um, you know, number one, you, you're, we're talking about the health and safety of our employees. And, you know, those employees are typically the breadwinners for their family also. So, you know, it's really important for us to put policies and procedures in place to keep the employees and, and thereby their families safe and, and happy and healthy. Um, that's the, the number one priority. But, you know, we also spend a lot of time, energy, and money when we experience claims because it's, it's not just, you know, okay, I have a claim, I turn it into my insurance company, and, you know, now my loss ratio goes up. You're also talking about, um, you know, replacing employees, you know, what type of, of policies and procedures are in place to identify when you hire someone whether they're going to be a good, successful employee? And how much does it cost to hire someone who wasn't who you thought they were and train them for, you know, six months to, to, to multiple years all to find out that, you know, they weren't the person that really fit into your organization? And, you know, in our risk score process, a big part of what we encourage employers and and our clients to do is to, to really evaluate the people in the pre-hire process. You know, integrity testing has is, is become much more reasonable than it has in the past, and we have partners within IOA that can help institute those policies and procedures so that you have the proper 
integrity testing in place. Yeah, that that's exactly where my mind was going here when we were having that conversation was, you know, talking about the employee, the hiring, the retention, the replacement. You know, there's a lot of money there that people miss and don't think about. And, you know, yeah, you may save a small percentage on a premium for insurance and coverage, but that, that small savings may actually end up being much larger on the backside um, when it comes to retraining employees and rehiring employees and um, just everything that goes yeah, along yeah. with that is huge, man. It's crazy. Oh, without. I mean, I, I, I've never thankfully been involved in a lawsuit, but my my office is actually in, on the, the third floor of a, an executive suite in uh, Melbourne, Florida, and there are four different rec- court reporters on this floor and several attorney's offices, and I there are constantly people coming in and out of depositions and, you know, I've heard nightmares from clients about, you know, the claim process and, and it taking, you know, on, on a standard GL claim with li- literally no liability at all, but being dragged into a lawsuit and spending, you know, multiple, multiple hours and depositions and, and, and producing proof. And it, it, it's a long, arduous process when you get into a claim and, you know, the, 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 the standard practice in you know risk transfer also is for general contractors and developers to require that all of the subcontracted trades on a specific job name them as an additional insured and and what that ends up meaning is if a claim arises out of that project that every single person that worked on that building every trade is pulled in and every single insurer is pulled in to defend the general contractor against that claim. Um, and, and, and as you can imagine, you know, with upwards of 40 to 50 different tradespeople in the, involved in the construction of a building or the remodeling of a building, you know, with every single insurance carrier and their attorney being brought into a situation like that, it, it, it becomes very complex and very time-consuming. So it's important to be be proactive in, in managing claims and to have policies and procedures in place so that you can avoid claims altogether. Because it's not just the insurance cost, it's the overall cost and lost time and profitability. So you, you made a comment there in that, in that conversation around contracts and subcontractors and how if a claim is made, it, it kind of covers the whole entire job. It's not just your contract. It's also subcontractors and all within there as well. So, you know, tell me some of the importance that you see in contracts, both agreements with subcontractors, of course, as well as agreements with, you know, their customer, with, with the roofer's customer. Maybe that's a general contractor that he's got an agreement with, or if this is a re-roof um, contractor with his homeowner. You know, what's what are some of the importance of these contracts and what are some of the, you know, the myths and the, pieces that need to be thought about and covered within that that you see or, or deal with on a daily basis? Uh, that's a great question. You know, I, I think that the, the term subcontractor um, is thrown around pretty loosely in our industry. Um, you know, you, you obviously, if, if, if you're a roofing contractor and, and you're doing work for a developer or a general contractor, they're the prime contractor and they are subcontracting work to you. And, and it's very important to, again, have the help of a, a solid insurance agent and a solid attorney to help 
you review the terms and conditions within those contracts you're signing when you are the subcontractor. Um, you know, it, it's equally important as a roofing contractor who may also be in the position of being a prime contractor that they have a written agreement with their subcontractors that protects them. Um, you know, and again, it's another great example of, of making sure that you're partnered with a, a professional attorney who's specific to your industry, as well as a professional agent that's specific to your industry that understands the wording and the requirements within those agreements. Um, that's specific typically to the state that the work is done in. Um, and those agreements can sometimes be invalid if the language in the, the contract is overly aggressive and, and doesn't meet Florida statutes, it can become enforceable, or I'm sorry, unenforceable. So it's, it's really important whether you are operating as a subcontractor or whether you are subcontracting work to other contractors to make sure that you understand the written agreement that you have with them and that you're using a written agreement for every job regardless of the size. Um, one of the things we talked about a short while ago was the additional insured status. And what we see a lot in the general liability market in Florida is what we refer to as blanket additional insured endorsements. Um, those endorsements oftentimes are triggered when there's a written contract. So if I'm a roofing contractor and I'm going to provide work for XYZ general contractor, I'm going to put a new roof on, um, I may have a, 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 an endorsement on my policy that gives additional insured status to that GC as long as there's a written contract in place. So that's very common in the industry. So that's just one of the reasons why it's so important to have a written contract in place to make sure that you're protected and also, you know, to provide a roadmap for both parties and to spell out clearly who's responsible for what and why, um, you know, and that, that's, that's why contracts are so important regardless of the size, because we see some rather large claims come out of jobs that, are, that can actually be pretty small. Man, this is some, some awesome, awesome stuff here, Philip. And, you know, I, I'm sure you and I could sit here and talk and continue going on for, for another hour easily on some of this. And I, as I mentioned to you, I'd like to try to keep it reasonable on time. And um, we're, we're getting butt, buttoned up against some, uh, some time constraints here on this end. And I, I know on yours, you've got things to do. So I appreciate that. But um, yeah, no know, problem. I'm, 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 I really appreciate the opportunity and, and, would be willing to come back anytime. You know, insurance isn't isn't uh, the most exciting topic. You know, it's not sexy. You spend a lot of money on it. You can't drive it. You can't show it off to your friends. But you know, when you need it, and it it comes in real handy. Yeah, there ain't no doubt on that. So you know, what I'd like to do here, obviously, Philip Lane with Insurance Office of America. Philip, what's the best way to reach you in the event that somebody ever has any questions following this podcast and they want to uh, get in touch with you? What's the best way to reach you? Sure. Yeah, I, I, um, I'm available almost 24-7 on my cell, so I'll give that out. It's uh, 321-698-5094. Uh, my email address is philip with two L's dot lane, L-A-N-E, at IOAUSA.com. Um, I'm a full-blown insurance nerd, and I, I'm always open to talking or discussing any kind of insurance issues or um, contract issues or anything. And, you know, I I have to say, too, that, that I, 
I love the, the FRSA. I, I, I've been involved now for over 10 years, and the network that I've developed as a result of my involvement in the FRSA and in the roofing industry is, is really incredible. Um, I, I view myself as a resource to my clients in the roofing industry. You know, pretty much anything that comes up, I may not know the answer, but I know who to go to to get it. So, you know, it, it doesn't even have to be insurance related. Any issue that you're running into, not only do I want to know about it so that I can help my clients, but I also want to help be a part of the solution. So between, you know, the people I've met and networked with, with the FRSA and the NRCA and various roofing association affiliates, um, you know, I can help get the answer regardless of what it's about. Amen to that, my friend, and, and and I appreciate it. I know, like I said, me being a manufacturer, um, I learn so much every time I talk to you when it comes to insurance, and, and I'm thankful for that. And, and even if it is uh, applicable to my business or not, it's still a resource that I can take to my customers when they have a, a, a time of need and different situations. So it, it is absolutely crucial to have these resources. You mentioned, again, you know, having a lawyer, an insurance agent, and a good CPA to, to go to for different questions and references and different information as, as challenges arise. And, you know, having the insurance piece of that covered definitely makes me feel more comfortable and um, in different situations. So, again, man, appreciate your time. Appreciate the info. Um, thank you for putting your contact info on here. So if anybody ever has any needs in the future and, um, with that, sir, I appreciate the time, and we'll talk, chat at you soon. Appreciate you, man. I'll see you next week at the FRSA meetings. So that was a great conversation with Philip Lane, insurance agent, risk manager of Insurance Offices of America. And I, I found it so fascinating for me and really for any one of you listening in, no matter what your position is within the business, there's so much you can take away from that, both personally and professionally, that you can work with. The man's passion is contagious when it comes to this business. He mentioned himself being an insurance nerd, and you know, I, I look at myself as a metal nerd on this side, so I, I can totally relate to that. So, you know, take the time in case you missed it. Again, Philip Lane with Insurance Offices of America. His cell phone number is three two one six nine eight five zero nine four. And he, he's a great resource, man. He's, he's a huge advocate for this industry as well as for our association with the FRSA and the NRCA. And we're just thankful to be a part of, uh, of really of his life, man. He's, he's just an awesome person all the way around. So with that, guys, thanks for tuning in. And uh, we'll catch you on the next uh, podcast for the FRSA Young Professionals. Thank you.